Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. Thank you to Escape Space Games for sponsoring this season of Average Folks. Enjoy the show. Back home, Valis is in a perpetual state of rain. The solar panels have been tarped and the sky is gray and the red grass is thriving. The red woods emit the harshest and most magical of scents and rain cloaks drape over the folks of Valis. These have darkly dyed wools with rubber soon ends and slightly pointed hoods to save copious amounts of water from getting into one's eyes. The ongoing downpour slips seamlessly off of the rounded roofs of houses and apartments, and quiet hall. Its roof echoes this panging sound lightly through the main hall, which is bustling with life and movement as Profit Day Week decorations are torn down and shoved in the closet for next year. No! It's not that bad! It is, though. Up two flights of stairs, Ellie Lyeth is trying on interview outfits. Ellie's year has been peace. She's slept in countless days and stayed up countless nights, doodling and reading and harassing her older siblings. Ellie still occasionally sits in on her father's desk work, asking questions about legislation. And she's even taken to some various local committees, mainly focused towards positive changes in recreation. She's become quite the convincing grant writer. And thus to conclude, that is why producing a thicker plastic bag is unhelpful and we should be funding a different solution. We endorse canvas and recycled materials for bags at the open market district. I have also drafted an incentive reuse program as drafted in the binder in front of you. And that is why they should receive your funding this bar. Thank you. I have no choice, it seems. Passed for a full grant fund. Uh, yay! Ellie doesn't just do these things because she excels at them. She does these things because they are fun. They give her life, and oh, how new that feeling is. 
Currently, she's surrounded by stacks of professionally casual clothes. She presents a frilly number and exits her bathroom. Okay, what about this? Hmm. Dune lieth, still tall, still blonde, though hair is longer and left loose this morning, tumbling over his shoulders, sits on Ellie's floor, arms draped over his knees and bare toes flexing in concentration. He is clad in his bathrobe. His nostrils flare with indignation. No, the colors are so last soulless. Oh, then what do you suggest? Try my thing on. Well, I kind of like how this blouse does a little thing here. Try my thing on now. I was getting to it. Get to it now. Just wait a sec. Mine does a little blouse thing too, but better. With this attitude, it better. Friends. The blue lore of Lyoth Hall. A static-filled entity, unevenly outlined with some odd, odd power, is seven-ish feet tall, though that height seems to ebb and flow with their mood. Their lanky and staticky legs take up all the space around them as they attempt to crisscross applesauce. The blue lore still has trouble reading context tones. Hollow and kind eyes of light watch Ellie do a little dance in her potential interview outfit. It's okay, Onyx. We're okay. Speak for yourself. My reputation is at stake. What reputation? You're literally so mean. What do you think, Ani? The blue lore was nicknamed Onyx by Ellie about seven months ago, when they first had appeared physically to her. Of course, as all pet names are, this was met with its fair share of in-family controversy. Onyx? It's blue. I think it's a cute name. Yeah, well, you can't see it. It vibes! Onyx! What? Well, you've given Dune new material. Rutro, indeed. Where is it? Onyx is right here. Onyx took to the new name. Since then, Ellie and Onyx have become inseparable. Almost as inseparable as Onyx and Logan. And we will get to how Logan feels about that. Onyx? At present, the blue lore gazes through Ellie, focusing on the shirt. It's okay. Gone are the days where Logan and Tara would sit across from the blue lore for hours, begging them to speak with no mouth. Now, they have two modes. One, a light bulb held in their hand for yes and no questions. Easy stuff. And for more complex things, a radio. This mini device hangs around Onyx's neck like a piece of statement jewelry. It is less of a benefit during the season of Imbar. Less electricity overall means fewer stations to draw voices from. The light remains half-lit as Onyx flips through channels, seemingly stumbling over their words. I... like it. See? Hesitation. Maybe they can't find the right channels. Or maybe it took a long time to find something nice to say. Okay! Fine. Fine. Give me your thing. Yes! Dune reaches behind him and then chucks a bundle of cool tones towards his sister's face. She catches it, glares, then disappears into her bathroom. Dune awaits in anxious excitement. I'm nervous. There, there. Dune's year has been a manic flight towards betterment and stability. He's been working full-time with Ovia, an expert sewer and owner of On The Mend, and... Unrelatedly, an anonymous new volunteer has joined the task force that takes care of the Chapel of Living Things outside of its functioning hours. All of this hard work, of course, has given his personal life a bit of a hit, but- O-M. 
GT. Yeah? Ellie throws open the door and strikes a dastardly pose. It's a lovely little thing, pale yellow and bunched well at the upper waist. The sleeves are long and the neckline complements the collarbone without screaming, Look at me, I'm begging of you. So, yeah, business casual. Ovia's sunken in and professional sewing techniques are still obvious to the eye, as Dune learns on the job, but there are some Dune doodads, Dune dads, if you will, that make it unique to him. Dune, it's so cute! Ah, I knew it would look so good, I fucking knew it! I would probably take in the sides a bit. But, like, that's what makes it comfy! And breathable! I know! You're so lucky I fudged the skirt length. Otherwise, this wouldn't be up for grabs. Sounds like a you problem. Sounds like a you problem. Onyx, what do you think? Their light bulb burns brightly. Radio static accumulates almost into gleeful laughter. <laughs> Too close to the sun, the light bulb shatters. Dune and Ellie, accustomed to this, hardly jump at the sudden event. Onyx stares at the broken pieces. Aw, it's okay. A frequent occasion. Ellie grabs an extra bulb from the drawer and offers it to Onyx, while Dune gets to work sweeping up the glass. Okay, can you interview me? Uh, Just, like, throw some fancy questions at me. uh, Just start with my opinion on some political things. Yeah, uh, how are you at political things? Dune, try! I am! Oh, I'll just ask Mikey. Thank you for the dress, though. I love it! Yay. Not mine. Oh, shit! Fuck! Darn! Work! Oh, go, Dune. Go! Go! And Dune goes. He makes it halfway down the stairs, realizes he is in a bathrobe, and rockets back up them towards his room. He throws on a simple tunic, some rain boots, and a deep red rain cloak. He tumbles down the stairs again and into his car he goes, then Dune drives to the Middletown district. He parks in the parking lot and sludges through the concrete puddles towards their little shop in the wall on the mend. Inside, Ovia, seamstress, home-brewed fashion icon in some high-wedge boots and a floral dress, sits up straight at the singular sewing machine. Sorry, sorry, I was hanging out with my little sister. She was trying on something I made, so it's like work-related, I guess, but I'm still sorry. You're on time. I know, but I'd like to be here like five minutes before work starts so I can get in the headspace. I'm going to be so thrown off. Take that time now. She watches Dune unpack his workday bag and get settled in for a moment. And she yawns, having, as always, been the earliest riser in Valis with the whole weight of the priestess hood on her shoulders. I say we leave her be in this for now. And we latch onto Luciana Lyoth, just exiting Lyoth Hall, intent on getting to her class on time. A few handy folks taking down Prophet Day decorations follow her outside. And what do we do with this? Okay, that should go back to the Circle Factory, right? We rented that. Oh, I didn't know we were supposed to rent it. Did you buy it? I'm sorry, I'll pay the hall for it. No, we'll just sample it out with the event funds. It's fine. Yes, Chiefess. Chiefess. An ornamental term, and one that jolts her a little. She's been called that less and less now. Logan has been stepping into most managerial things to the surprise of everyone. Does it offer her peace? No. 
She picks up her walking pace a little and manages to escape the range of these questions and needs. She walks with purpose towards the University of Vallis. Luciana's year has been this tragic balance of being fulfilled with work and life whilst battling a deep, deep fear and sadness. The duality of folks. She's been teaching, of course. So after the day of the prophet, the territories split up prophetic trades and designated three main types of prophetic training, which are... Come on, class. Wise woman! Also known as... Uh, Wise men! Try again. It has the term prophet in it. Wise prophets! And, of course, the source of the not-so-great feelings. Only a month ago, or was it months, Logan had a checkup. A checkup? Luciana had sat right outside of the Causeways Botanical Therapy Center and waited while Logan and Gwenda had talked for much longer than she thought was typical. Gwenda had come out, Logan had stayed in. As the door shut, Luciana caught her partner on the edge of his patient chair, his head in his hands. What's going on? Things have flared up again. Oh. Ah. All all right. So, next steps would be working towards comfort. Well, solutions, right? Well, gastronomy was a solution those years ago, but bodies change and shift. There's nothing else we can do? Gwenda had looked at Luciana long and hard here. Not that I know of, but we can make him comfortable. Do you have a... a timeline? Would that be helpful to you right now? No, I suppose not. Then I'll refrain. For now, we will set the two of you up for some relative success. Well, it's not me going through it, am I? Aren't you? Luciana has thought of this many times, almost daily since. Every time she looks at Logan, her children even. And currently in the now, passing by a large tinted window along her walk across the University of Alice's courtyard, she catches her reflection and can't help but feel Logan's sickness eking into her physique. The effects of it. And stress, and the ever-foreboding presence of change in its largest form, and the mundanity of the moment of now. It seeps under her eyes and hangs around her waist. It weighs down her posture and the corners of her mouth. Still beautiful. Yes, but... But... Not in the way I'd prefer. We never are, are we? Oh, she recalls it is a window she is peering into, as she sees faint gestures beyond her own reflection. Refocusing, she sees large tables with chunks of clay on them, overbrimmed with students. The art building. And in the center of it, Luciana sees her eldest son in the middle of a wordless mime. He's describing something, gesturing to a student's lopsided work in progress. Glancing up... He catches Luciana in the window. Mikhail Lyoth waves to his mother, freely, lightly, smiling. Mikhail is well. He finished his master's degree online last solace. The very next day, he 
stumbled into the art director at the University of Alice, and he demanded to know why they stopped figure sculpting classes, to which they went... Nudity? On campus? Pa! But if you're sculpting the human body, you have to know how it functions and works. It's such an important part of anatomy, learning how body parts meet, the diversity of how the body can curve... That's sexual. <laughs> it's... It's educational, and if you're sexualizing the experience, that's a you problem and a bigger problem as a whole. I'm unconvinced. Mikhail hated that, so he stormed into Tara's office. Tara! Mikhail! And he took her with him to the very same director, who still went... Nudity? On campus? Pa! What about off campus? Wait, the old art building is still on the outskirts of the original dorms, just teach it there. And who's gonna teach that, huh? <clears throat> Mikhail? Oh, uh, uh... And thus, art teacher Mike has blossomed into adjunct Professor Mikhail, taking after his mother in quite the most literal sense. Isn't that right, Mikhail? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And? And... Oh! How long has it been since your last panic attack, Mikey? Six months! Yeah! <laughs> yeah. Other things have been going well for him, too. His meds are always taken on time, family life's good, and he's gotten to spend a lot of time with Tara working on those sculptures, which sit in the corner of this room now, draped over with a canvas cloth. He glances towards these pieces. They get back today. They really do, don't they? And speaking of getting back... Eller really should be getting home, shouldn't he? But here he is now across campus, in the private bathroom on the second floor of their engineering hub. He's just gotten here, just shut the door. He shrugs off his coat and broods in the mirror. Eller has started wearing contacts. His brown eyes glare back into themselves. His face has a peppering of stubble, but not much above that, and a dull green glow lights the left side of his physique. What do you want? When are you going home? I still have to study. This test is important. Remember, you need that degree to qualify for chiefdom. I know. You could make sure you don't fail, you know? I'm not gonna cheat. I'm just saying, it may behoove you. Fuck does that mean? Behoove? Benefit, you know? Behoof? No, behoove. Well, now it's lost meaning. <laughs> when are you going to talk to him? I'm waiting for the right time. His health has been failing him. He's likely in the process of crafting wills, plans, chieftain delegations. Can we not bring this up? If you would like to be part of that, you must act. You know that for whatever apparent reason, Ellie and Mikhail are Logan's top choices for that position. I know. I know. I'm rooting for you. That is why I act this way. Yeah. And I've watched the pattern of your chieftain for ages. I know what works and what doesn't. Yeah. You are the only option I trust. This, this imbecile system. Eller's text tone rings. Ah, the best part about university, the free Wi-Fi, even in the dead of Embar. It's a group chat in his engineering hub. John Paul says, Whoa, bruh. This text is testing the fucks I give. LOL. Catherine Q sends laughing face emoji, crying face emoji, skull emoji. 
Eller's mouth twinges into a smile. Eller? Hmm? What is it? Oh, the test is hard for others, too. Eller texts. L-M-A-O. He types this with a straight face. Study group? Eller. What? Ooh, John Paul has liked this message. Hell yeah, dude. And Catherine Q responds. Yeah, smiley face. Tonight? She spelled tonight wretchedly. You can't do it tonight. Could you not backseat drive my texts? No. Ooh, double negatives. Eller looks at the time. Shit, we need to get going. They're coming back today. Hmm, so they are. Let's take a break. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This season of Average Folks is sponsored by Escape Space Games Tualatin. Located just off of Tualatin Sherwood Road, Escape Space Games hosts six different escape rooms, each with their own unique themes and puzzles. Gather your friends and family for exciting adventures like the Toy Museum Heist. Rumors say that the owner of Randy's Toy Museum has acquired some sort of secret artifact not on display to the public, and it's up to you to find it. Or work together to solve the mysteries of castaways, where you must face a series of physical and mental challenges in the style of a certain tropical TV game show in order to keep your spot on the island. Visit the magic garden of the Beanstalk, where the gardener is getting antsy and looking for a successor. Do you have what it takes to discover the secrets of the garden? Explore your senses with the Tualatin Valley Room, where you'll need your sense of touch, smell, sound, and sight in order to escape in time. Stage a prison break in cell block, where you and your team must first escape their own cells and then make your joint escape. Or get cozy with Tuta Tango, a two-person room with a mystery to solve about these two particular dancers. Adults play for $30, and kids under 12 play for $25. Escape Space Games is open Friday evenings, all day Saturday, and Sunday afternoon. Weekday plays are available by appointment. Visit escapespacegames.com or call 503-610-2394 to book your room today. Well, let's get back to it. That evening, outside of the main doors of Lyoth Hall, anxiously awaiting someone in the cold and wet, stand Dune and Ellie. Alongside them are Luciana, Eller, and Mikhail, having all rejoined one another since their daily activities. Rain cloak clad, with a couple of umbrellas for good measure. They watch Logan's red SUV pull up to the driveway, park, and open its doors. They watch familiar shoes hit the gravel. Out pours Dylan from the driver's seat. Logan from passengers and Agnes from the back. Hi! Hi. 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 Logan embraces Ellie first. He picks her up and immediately regrets it, setting her back down with a surprised laugh. Dune fist bumps Agnes. Dylan waves a cordial hello to Luciana. Logan embraces his sons next in reverse birth order. Eller first, then Dune, then Mikhail. Eller does not pay heed to Agnes, who doesn't look at Eller either. Dune looks at Dylan, 
while Dylan is busy, and Dylan looks at Dune while Dune is busy. They miss each other's eyes just barely as the Lyoth siblings form a half-circle around Dylan and Agnes. Where's Tara? We dropped her off at home. Ah. She didn't want to say hi? Circle lag. Aw. We'll see her for dinner tomorrow, though, right? Yeah. Yeah. As they talk, Logan approaches his partner, Luciana. They look at each other. A soft smile from each, but... Mainly just an exchange of fatigue. How are you feeling? I'm beat. Big weekend. Anyone would be. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot how not fun being chief at a profit convention is. Why do you think I held disgust for it every time I had to do it? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I... Thanks. Everything go okay? Nothing happened. Okay, you just look pretty fatigued, honey. I just said I was beat, didn't I? Where is this tone coming from? Nowhere. Nowhere. I... Okay, can we go inside? It's fucking cold. Oh, yeah. 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 Reading my non-existent Mm -hmm. What? Limps. (laughs) (laughs) The residents of Lyoth Hall fall into pairs as they walk. Dune falls in line next to Luciana, almost rushing to get there. Dylan, in response, resides by Eller. How's school? Oh, sucks. But I graduate in like a week, so... Oh, exciting! Yeah, I hated university. Really? Yeah, I wasn't like a cool engineering major, though. What were you? Calm. Oh. Wow. Uh, yeah. Ellie rushes Logan, clinging to his arm both for his balance and her excitement. How was it? Did you get a lot of questions about the whole lore thing? Too many. If you're that curious, just come visit at that point. <laughs> How did you respond? And Agnes, bereft of options, finds herself by Mikhail. <clears throat> Good trip? Yep. Oh, nice. Nice. Everything okay here? Yeah. Yep. Cool. Did Tara have a good time? Think so. Oh, good. Good. Why? Oh, um, <clears throat> no, no reason? Uh. Oh, Mikhail. Tara asked me to tell you to meet her at the studio tonight. Around, like, seven, I think. Oh, She knows we're not all that behind on schedule, right? She does. She just wants to be right on time with the sculptures. Makes sense. Cool. Uh, I will do that. I'm sure you will. Huh? Whose dinner night was it? I am starving. Mine. Oh, cool. The family enters Lyoth Hall, where Onyx, our blue lore, awaits. They sit patiently and politely on the stairwell, greeting each family member as they enter, except Mikhail and Eller, who cannot see it. Onyx stands to their full seven-foot height when they see... Logan! Hey, Onyx. Logan approaches Onyx, almost quicker in his step than approaching his own children, and reaches out his hand. Onyx carefully touches their own to it. Everything go okay? Yes, but I missed... Did you? 
Oh, well, I misted you two. Did you hold down the fort all right? Only one shattered light bulb. Well, look who's growing up. <laughs> and Logan watches this lore. He watches as the blue light of it suddenly seems to dance strange. The light stays in one place, then moves to another like snapshots. He feels sweaty and cold. Logan? Lo? I think it's bedtime for me. But dinner? Oh, uh, yes. It's totally fine, Dad. We can bring something up to you. Oh, yeah! Like breakfast in bed! Anger stews in Logan. Not towards anyone here, though. Where is this from, Logan? So deep inside. Is it wise to take it out now? No. No. Dad? That would be lovely. Thanks, kids. Kiddos. Agnes offers a hand to help him up the stairs. However, so does Onyx. I've got it. Thanks, Agnes. Go eat. The family watches Logan either take Onyx's arm or find some support in the air. Either or, they break off slowly and then quickly into the dining room. Luciana lingers behind, watching Logan drift up the steps as her heart drops just another notch. And in an apartment placed on the second floor of a rather cute cottage core complex, various knickknacks and found items line every window sill and fill every table. Three lives clash and blend together in this space. And currently, Willow's making dinner in a little compact kitchen. It's a late lunch. <laughs> My apologies. Willow is making a late lunch. It's almost like a dinner. Like a lunch dinner. A dunch? A dinunch? Winner? Lunch dinner? Mm. Willow's been pretty average. That being said, they're still in the midst of a quarter-life crisis. It's simmered now and reveals itself in new and exciting mundane ways every now and then. Such as now. Willow is cooking? That's typically Rourke's task. But here they are now, manically trying to get the perfect flip on their grilled cheese sandwich. Oh, beans! Saved it! Willow's shared door opens. And Rourke, wearing sweatpants featuring a much-beloved cartoon character, steps out. Yawns. Stretchums. A crackle from the frying pan alerts Rourke to Willow, who waves as he, troubled, looks up. Hey, bestie! Sup, bestie? Willow notes that Rourke is not wearing a shirt. It's uh, chilly today, huh? <laughs> yeah. Why? Uh, okay. Rourke puts on <clears throat> a shirt. Rourke works night shifts at the salt distribution plant now. Thus, he awakes as the sun begins to dip. Rourke's hair is a disheveled mess of orange and brown, his hands gruff with the coarseness of the minerals he mines. Did you sleep well? Yeah. Uh, had a weird dream where I was pouring salt into the bins and then my tooth fell out of my head and became salt. It's whatever. I'm deciding not to psychoanalyze that. Mm, salty tooth. Is that anything? I can't tell if that's anything. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, uh, unrelated. I have to get some massage certification hours this afternoon. Are you still down to be a test subject? Someone bailed. Oh, I don't do test massages. But I will pay you for an actual massage. Oh, you don't have to. 
I'd like to provide a living wage for your soon-to-be-licensed services. Though technically, I can't charge you money because I am unlicensed. But donations... Donations are welcome. Done. Thank you. I... I appreciate you. You and Tara have been so supportive through all of this the shit show that has been my life this year. Of course. We're here for you. And remember, we don't belittle our experiences. What do we say instead? <laughs> Come on, you remember. If you can't take me at my will lowest, you can't have me at my will highest. <gasps> She's here! Yay! The door unlocks. It swings open. Willow Rock! Tater! Oh, the joy and gratitude of returning to a healthy and odd, odd home just three days after leaving. I missed you so much. Yeah, 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 we missed you. Look at this thing I bought for my studio. Tara notes the unfolded massage table in the center of the living room, perfectly blocking the TV. You mean our living room? Yeah. It is very cute, yes. Validation! Yay! Yay! Do you get clients? Uh, Rourke? Oh, I hear he's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Although the rumor is, weird back. <laughs> yeah, I wonder who is spreading that, huh? Oh, Rourke! Uh, tell Tara about your dream. Only if she wants. Oh, shit. Yeah, consent. <laughs> no, I'm incredibly interested. Please tell me about your dream, Rourke. I was pouring salt into the bins, and then my tooth fell out of my head and became the salt. Teeth falling out commonly symbolizes facing mortality, a fear of mundanity, self-doubt. Falling into the salt specifically could signify a number of things. Feeling lost in your work, stuck in a dead end, etc., etc. <laughs> Fuck. I'm going to put my stuff away. Oh, do you want dinner? Yes. I'll just have to eat and head out quickly. I've got to stop by the studio tonight. Oh, you're still working tonight? Yeah. I want to get some of it done this weekend. Waiting for Tara now, Mikhail is in the art studio of the University of Alice. He has flipped on the lights and put on an apron. He's walked past the mirror and checked his hair, and done that in repetition just a couple more times. He kneels by a cabinet and takes out a roll of his molding tools. He unfurls it on a table. He then skirts around some work tables, shoves some stools in, and approaches the corner where their works in progress are stored. He stops at a form slightly taller than him, bathed in a large canvas. Removing it, Mikhail reveals a plastic bag suctioned in places to an unfinished form. Carefully, he removes this bag, too. He wheels the project towards the work desk, just a couple of feet. Oh, the tools have fallen to the ground. They were nowhere near the edge, were they? Hello? The empty room stares back into him. And the clay mold of the lore begins to rock. Whoa. He rushes to study it with his hands. I calculated the base. It shouldn't be doing this. He kneels at the base and finds a tear in the back Achilles heel of the clay. Huh. He weaves his arm towards it, feeling the crack. How odd and not natural this tear is. It's like it's been shoved. Lore? Uh... Onyx? Is that you? The empty room stares into him. What do you want? He begins to smooth over the tear with his thumb, and it stops. Mikhail is started by the sudden opening of his studio door, but then is simply delighted to find that it was Tara who did so. Oh, hey. 
Oh, hey. They both move in for a hug, but then it somehow morphs into a high five instead. Guys. Welcome back. Thanks. How's it been? Oh, fine. Boring. Can relate a little. Oh, really? Nothing of note at all? I mean, okay, there were some ridiculous things going on. Like, okay, we came across the traveling profit section, right? Ugh, go on. And they get to work. Mikhail forms this life-size portrait of this thing, while Tara supervises, mostly. He tasks her with smoothing the indents of his fingers as he works. Less for the actual helpfulness factor, but more so that she stops asking what she can do. And then they asked him all the lore questions. Him? But you literally were the one who wrote a report on it. Yes! I was like, seriously? Come on. Like, I know so much more about them than even Logan does. And I'm a little pissed that I didn't get recognition for it. And I know Logan tried to send them my way, but they didn't come. Weird. I wonder if folks in other territories can see them. Well, we had those tourists a couple of weeks ago who claimed to have seen a fucking purple one. <laughs> there can't be another one. I only ordered enough clay for these three. Oh, I'll tell them to stop procreating. Wait, can they? Do they? Huh. Wait, I... They have to, right? Well, do, do they have the, the means? I haven't been looking. I have to make these physically accurate, so if they do, then you need to tell me. No, I don't know. You gotta look at the butt. Tear, it's for science. <gasps> meds, 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 my boy! Oh, yeah! Can you toss him? Tara ravages through Mikhail's rain cloak for a small tin. Can you catch him? She throws them overhand. Mikhail cannot. He actually does not make an attempt to, to catch them at all. However, he does pick them up from the floor and swallow them with his tea. And he gets back to work. Tara sees something move out of the corner of her eye, drifting past the open hall. She double takes, finding nothing in the doorway. Hello? Mikhail, distracted by this current fold in the clay, hardly looks up. What? Uh, I'm gonna use the restroom really fast. Go for it. And Tara does. Tara takes off her apron and sees a faint glow of green sneak around the corner. A soft static back end of some bulbous neon mass. It disappears behind the wall, and its head peeps over the edge again. Hollow white, not quite eyes. Watch Tara. Tara? It is waiting for her to engage it, to speak. But no, Tara only looks. She stares, no expression, and something blank behind her eyes makes a decision. I want to talk to you. She walks into the bathroom, showingly flushes the toilet, turns on the faucet, all the while watching this thing watch her watching, but her mouth does not move. No. Please. Her feet do. They bring her back into the room with Mikhail. As Tara ignores this green lore decisively. Interesting. Just as she turns her back, 
She sees this shade of green sink its shoulders and slip into the night. Hello, dragon fruits. I'm Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Script and sound design by Elise Bradford. Mixing by Hope Bellinger. Original music by Liam Greenlee. New actors in order of appearance. Gabrielle Brinkman as Ellie and Cecily. Hannah Strawn as Grant board member. Elizabeth Herbert as Onyx. Lauren Herman as Ovia. Finn Burris as Carlisle. M. Johnson as Gwenda. Travis Cox as UV Admin 1. Caleb Kirkovold as UV Admin 2. William English III as Eller. Araya Glancy as the Green Lore. Cole Neeland as John P. Rachel Routh as Catherine Q. and Willow. Jonathan Billington as Rourke. To learn more about Average Folks, follow us on Instagram at Average Folks Official or visit us at our website, average-folks.com. <laughs>